we're going to look at Kubernetes. And Kubernetes is a portable, extensible, open source platform for managing containerized workloads and services that facilitate both declarative configuration and automation. So let's take a normal example where we have a request coming in from the cloud and it goes into our firewall. And this request may be on port 80 or secured over port 443. Once it comes into a firewall, on a normal example, you might have a load balancer and the load balancer is going to be responsible for managing and directing the traffic to your different web servers. So for example, if you had three web servers, the user would only come in from a single entry point into your network, and then it's automatically going to be distributed over to the different web servers based on the traffic or some other metric. And to scale up these web servers isn't too hard depending on your configuration. You could have something like Elastic Beanstalk set up where scaling these to four, five, or six workers is a pretty simple task. However, this does mean that you may be responsible for managing each one of these servers, and that could add some overhead to your operation costs. So let's say you already have this one environment set up, and this service is for app1.example.com. So let's say now you have developed an app2.example.com. So you would have to come in, you would have to create your load balancer, and then you would have to set up and spin up your web servers. You then have to worry about your firewall, then also setting up the connections so it could be consumed by users. And so this process could take a bit of time, and I believe it's something that can be easily solved with Kubernetes. And so let's take the example where we have a request coming in. It's going to be on port 80 or port 443, and we're going to set this up within Cloudflare with the domain example.com. And let's say we upload a wildcard certificate. And essentially what that's going to do, it's automatically going to allow stuff like app one, app two, and to however many different subdomains you have, all to be pointed to the same environment. And so we would take in the request into our firewall and we would send that request over to our Kubernetes environment. And so there's a few main things within Kubernetes that we have to know in order to be able to consume its available resources. And so to start off, Kubernetes has three nodes by default. What that means is that you would have three physical servers or three virtual servers that you are going to use to set up your Kubernetes cluster. And the reason why you would have three is because Kubernetes is going to take care of a lot of the backend things for you. So let's say if you have a web server that you say that at any given point in time, you want to have two of the web services up and running or two virtual machines up and running for that web service. So Kubernetes would be responsible for picking out which node it's going to put it on. So it could put it on two different nodes and now it has satisfied that request. However, if one of these nodes goes down or dies, then Kubernetes will be responsible for seeing that there's one node on here that is no longer accessible, so it's going to automatically spin that up on a different node, and that's called high availability. And then each one of these different services that it's spinning up, these are called pods. And you can think of a pod as simply as a virtual machine. 
But it's not your typical virtual machine that you get with something like DigitalOcean, where it's not a full-blown operating system. And these virtual machines are actually using the Docker images are used to spin up Docker containers. So whenever you hear a pod, just think of a Docker container that's up and running. So let's say if we have a, and that deployment is going to consist of two different web servers. So the problem is, is that once we get this request, we need to somehow get that over into our environment. And let's call this deployment app one. So the problem that we're going to have is that we need to get this request that came in, for example, at app1.example.com into our environment over to this app server. And this app server needs to be able to then distribute its load to the appropriate web server, just like we had in our previous example with your standard virtual machines. Well, that's not exactly how Kubernetes works because, because this server may be listening on port 80 and this other one on port 80 as well. So it needs to be able to balance that load somehow. And to balance that load, that's where we have our services. And the services will say, you do not need to worry about this app service at all because I'm going to handle that. Instead, we just need to declare what port we're going to listen on. So we might say that this port is going to be exposed to port 8001 and it is going to be a target port of port 80. And so now if you have the request coming in, you can just send it to the app one services and then the app one services is going to be responsible for sending it to the appropriate server or balancing that load. But the problem is, is that we don't have any pathway into here, into our services. And that's where another part comes in and that is called your ingress. So the ingress is going to look for something like app one on a particular port. And then it's going to forward that request over to our services. And so now when you go to app1.example.com, that's going to go into our ingress, which is basically an Nginx load balancer. And that's going to send our request over to our services, which is then going to be able to handle distributing the load to the appropriate web servers. And typically when I do this, I like to namespace everything into one single namespace. So the ingress services and our deployment is going to all be under this app one environment. It's going to make it a lot easier to run reports within Kubernetes to find all these services that is part of this application. And it's also going to make it easier to stand up or delete the entire environment. And so this entire app one environment can be created with the ingress services and the deployments through a YAML file. And in this episode, we're going to look at creating a simple YAML file, which is going to create the ingress services and the deployment. And so the nice thing about Kubernetes, if I want to spin up an app two, I can create my deployments just like I did before. I can create these services and then I can also create the ingress and then put that all into one namespace. And the only thing that I would have to do in order to create this entire environment is to run a simple YAML file. And so now if you went to app1.example.com, that would come through into your ingress and then it would go to the appropriate environment. And if you went to app2, then that would come through your firewall and 
into your Kubernetes environment, and then go to the app to environment. And to recap, the important things to keep in mind is that we have a namespace, and that namespace is going to be the container for everything. And within that namespace, we'll first define our deployments. And within that deployments, we would set up our replicas. And the replicas is going to be the number of web servers that we want to have up and running. And then we would set up our services. And we would tell it that we want to reference the deployment that we created. And the services is going to take care of our port and then the target port. And then finally, to expose this, we would have our ingress, which is going to be on the load balancer side of things to determine which services it's going to point to. And so to get started, I spun up an Ubuntu VM, and I'm going to SSH into this virtual machine. Now, I am light on resources, so I'm not going to be able to set up three different nodes. But just to get started with Kubernetes, I can do a sudo snap install micro k8s dash dash classic and this is going to install the latest version and once it's installed i can then do a micro k8s dot and then if i hit the tab key i can see a list of the different options that i can do so if i do a status this is going to show me all of the different add-ons that are currently running and currently i don't have any running so to start off with the basics i'm going to do a micro k8s Dot enable and I'm going to enable the DNS, the ingress, and the dashboard. And one nice thing about Kubernetes and with this micro K8s is that it also has an option for a registry. So if you're going to be building Docker images and then pushing them to a registry, you could also do that on your local registry within the Kubernetes environment. And one thing to note about micro K8s is that even though I believe it is fairly secure from the default settings. It isn't meant to be ran in production. Services like Azure, AWS, and Google Cloud all have Kubernetes instances that you can spin up and run for a production instance. And once we enable the DNS, the ingress, and our dashboard, I can do a micro k8s.config, and this is going to show me the server as well as the username and the password. And to get the full URL for our dashboard, I can do the micro k8.kubecontrol and then cluster-info. And one weird thing about Kubernetes is that I've never been able to actually get the full dashboard URL from the cluster info, but it is going to give me a pretty good idea of where it would be. If you navigate your web browser to the IP address and port, of your virtual machine, and the port is 16443. And I'll paste in the show notes, but this should be pretty standard for the URI part to access the dashboard. It's going to prompt you for an HTTP basic username and password. And again, we got that from the micro k8s.config, and then down at the bottom, we'll just simply copy the password. And the username is admin. So if I put in admin and then paste in that long password, it then takes us to the Kubernetes dashboard and it asks us to sign in again. I'm going to simply just hit skip. And so within here, if we click on the nodes, you can see that we have a certain amount of CPU usage as well as memory usage. And then we can see our one node. So if you have a production Kubernetes instance, you might have multiple nodes and you would see them each listed here. If we click on the node, 
we can get some more information specific to this node. And one of the neat dashboards are these donut charts that show you the CPU allocation and limits, the memory usage and its limits, as well as the capacity, and then the number of pods or virtual machines or containers that it is currently running and what its capacity is. If we go up to the namespaces, you can see that it comes with a few different namespaces by default. On the left-hand side, we can select a different namespace and go into the different namespaces. It's going to allow us to filter down to just those items. So if I have the default selected, I can then go down to the pods. And this is going to show me all of the different containers that I have currently running. On the deployments, this is going to be the promises. So for this particular HTTP backend deployment, this is the ingress service that we had spun up. And if we needed to, we could scale this, for example, to 10 different pods. And by simply doing that, you can see that it's in a pending state, one out of 10 pods. If I go over to the pods, you can see that it is automatically spinning up all of these different pods. And the beauty about this is that if I had multiple nodes, it would distribute this across the different nodes automatically, and I don't have to worry about any of that. And after some time, it would show that they're all running. And so the deployments is what we saw in the diagram, and that's responsible for spinning up the pods, and that's handled through the replica sets. If we scroll down to our services, you can see that we have our default HTTP backend, and this is going to be responsible for that deployment to balance the load between the different containers. And if we click in on there, we can see that it has all these different endpoints, and this should total the 10 different containers that we told it to spin up. So it's going to handle that automatically. And then in the ingresses, if we did have a ingress for an app setup, then that would all happen automatically, then they would show up here as well. So for now, I'm gonna go back to the deployments and I'm gonna change the scale back to one. And by setting this promise, we can see that we have 10 out of one promise pods. And down in the pods, you can see that it went through and it terminated all of them. And one was still in a terminating state. Refreshing the page, and we're back to our ingress and the HTTP backend. And so before we dive into creating a application that we'll host on Kubernetes, I'm going to first go over a few other commands that I really like about micro K8s. The first thing is that I can do a micro K8s.reset, and by resetting, it is going to completely wipe out the existing environment. So the DNS, ingress, and dashboard that I set up and configured, it's going to wipe all of that out and basically have a new and fresh environment. And if I want to create a new namespace, I can do a micro k8.kubecontrol, create namespace. And the namespace I'm going to create is a coder-environment. Now just abbreviate that with env. And so that created our namespace. And I can do the same thing to delete a namespace with a kubecontrol, delete namespace, and then specify my namespace. And if I had created a deployment under that coder-environment namespace, as well as the services and ingresses, then all of that would have been destroyed. So that's why I like having everything in a namespace, because it's going to keep it pretty nice and tidy and organized within Kubernetes. 
So I'll first go ahead and again create that namespace. And now I want to create a deployment. And so I'll go ahead and save this file and I'll just call it coder.yaml. And within here, I can then start typing in some of the YAML. The first is the API version. And I'll set this to the extensions forward slash v1 beta1. We can then specify the kind. And this kind is a deployment. So within this YAML file, we're also going to create our services. And then we're also going to create our ingress. We can specify some metadata. And within this metadata, I'm going to specify the label. And we'll set the app to coder. We can give a name to this actual deployment. And we'll just call this the coder deployment. And in a namespace, we want to set this to our coder dash environment. We can then specify the specs. And within the specs, we're going to have a replicas of one. So we're only going to spit up one pod. We need to have a selector. And it's going to match labels. And then we'll specify our app. And again, this is going to be coder. Our template, again, we can specify some metadata for the template. And the template is going to be around the pod that we are creating. So we're going to have our labels and then the app coder. And then within the template, we're going to specify our specs. And this is going to be for the containers. So we can specify a Docker image. And the Docker image that I'm going to specify is the codercom forward slash code dash server. And if you haven't checked out this Docker image, it's really cool. Code dash server is a service where you can host your own VS code online. So similar to cloud nine or some of the other options out there, you're going to be able to set up your own environment where you can host your online editor. We can also have a command and this command, we can pass in an array and we want to start up the code server. And then we can pass in any kind of flags like allow HTTP. And this is specific to this Docker image that we are going to be using. We can give it a name coder, and then we can also specify the ports. So we're going to have a container port of 8443 because that's what this service listens on. If we need to have a liveness probe, and this is basically going to be the health check, we can have an HTTP get, and then you can specify a path. And this is going to be a URI. You can also specify the port. And again, that's going to be 8443. And sometimes the Docker image may take a while to spin up the service. So you can have an initial delay, seconds, and we'll just set this as something low like five, and then a timeout, seconds. And this is basically going to be if we are not getting a response within 30 seconds, then it's going to be seen as a failed service or that pod or container is not working properly. And if that's the case, then the deployment would be responsible for satisfying this one replica. So it would spin up another instance. So at the very least, I believe that's all that you're going to need for the deployment. We can pass in a few dashes, and this is just going to indicate that we are separating out the deployment from our service. So we have an API version one for our service. We'll specify the kind, it is a service. We can pass in our metadata and the name. We're going to make coder-service. And again, this is gonna be under the namespace, coder-environment. And with the labels, again, the app coder. 
we can get into the details under the specs, which is going to allow us to specify our ports. So our first port is going to be 80. We can specify the protocol is going to be TCP with a target port of 8443. And we'll specify the selector to the app coder. And that's actually all we have to do for our service. So that one's pretty easy. And then for the ingress, we'll create another space and we'll have our API version. We'll specify the extensions, forward slash v1 beta 1. Our kind, again, is going to say what kind of service are we going to create. And this is an ingress. We'll have our metadata again. And the metadata will specify our name. And this is going to be the coder dash ingress. And also with our namespace, we'll set this under the coder environment. And so now, under the spec, we can specify our different rules. And the different rules, we can specify a host. And if you've ever heard of exip.io, that's a service from Basecamp where you can specify something like coder dash and then an IP address, so 192.168.2.190, and that's the IP address of my Kubernetes Ubuntu environment. And then exip.io. So this is just a simple forwarding service. So the coder dash 192.168.2.190.exip.io is actually going to reroute me to this IP address. And if you come into exip.io, you can actually see it should be a dot instead of a dash. But for this example, the mysite.10001.exip.io resolves to that IP address. And because this is a local IP address, we shouldn't run into any problems. So I'll change this to a dot. We then specify our HTTP. It's going to have the paths. And the first path that we'll set is the root path. And that's going to take in the backend. We'll specify a service name. And this is going to be our coder dash service. And the service port is going to be 80. So whenever we get a request, to this FQDN or the fully qualified domain name, then it's going to send us to the coder service on port 80. The coder service, which we had specified in the metadata, is going to listen in on port 80, and it's going to look at the TCP connections, and it's going to target the port 8443 of the coder deployment. Then up in the coder deployment, it's going to listen in on port 8443, and then it should serve our data. So going back to our Kubernetes server, we can edit a file and we'll just call this the coder YAML and then we'll copy and paste our YAML file into here. Once we do that, we can call the micro k8.cube control and then we want to apply the file, the coder.yaml file. But typing out the micro k8.cube control every time can be rather annoying. So instead, we'll do a sudo snap alias, and then we'll set our micro k8.kubeControl to the kubeControl method. And once we do that, we can simply just do a kubeControl and then apply file and then our coder.yaml. And once we do that, we see our deployment, service, and ingress all getting created. If we go back to our web browser, under the namespace coder environment in the overview, we can get an overview to see everything that we have deployed. So in our deployment, we had the coder deployment as specified in the YAML file. We also have our coder-ingress 
and the coder dash service. Notice on the pods, so the container that we actually have running, we have the coder dash deployment dash 7cc, and this is just a random string that's generated from the deployment and the replica sets. And if we were to paste in our fqdn for our coder environment, you can see now that we have the coder server running. But it does have a password that we have to fill out. If we go back to our Kubernetes instance, and then if we go to the pods in the overview, or if we scroll down and go to our pods, we can go to our coder deployment, and within here, we can launch a terminal to get into this pod, or we can view the logs. And once we click on logs, you can see that in the logs is the password. So we'll just copy this, and then we'll go over to our code server, and then just paste in that password. Pasting it in, and logging in, you can now see that we have our Visual Studio code running on a web service. You can access the terminal of this container, and then you can install your Ruby version, as well as any other dependencies that you need. One thing to note though, if this container were to die and a new pod would have to be created, then you would essentially lose all of your data. So one thing that you can do to mitigate that is under our deployment, we can create a mountable path. So we can specify the volume mounts, then we can specify a mount path, and we can just call this code, and we can give it a name code. And then at the end of the deployment, on the same spacing as the containers, we can specify our volumes, and then the host path, we can specify the path to wherever we want, then we would give it our name. In this case, our name is code. So if you were to update this and reapply this configuration, it would spin down the old instances and it would spin up the new ones. And if you also wanted to run this without authentication, you could also pass in another flag called no-auth. And that way, when you run this, it's not going to have any password requirements. So I'm going to just remove the coder file, and then I'll recreate it. I'll paste in all my changes, and I'll make sure that the code directory exists. So under my home, cobalts, the code directory will be there. We can then do a cube control, apply, dash F, and then our coder YAML file. You'll see that the surface and the ingress were unchanged. However, now our deployment is configured, so there was a change in our deployment. If we come back and refresh this, it now works, and we don't have to enter in a password. And if we go to our root and then the code folder, we can then create a temporary file. And if we were going to our pods and then delete the pod, it's going to automatically spin up a new one because that's the replica sets promising that there's going to at least be one service running. And the old one will go away in a moment. Coming back and refreshing, we can reopen our folder and then we still have our test file in there. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.